Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so we want to start a brand new series today that we are really excited about, and we've called it Fake News. Everyone say that with me. Fake news, fake news. Now, we are talking about a very, very important issue, and we're excited to jump into it. I want to paint a picture for you first of what we're talking about. In 1966, one of the most iconic and controversial magazine covers hit newsstands is from Time Magazine. It's this famous, uh, famous cover here, Is God Dead? Dun, dun, dun. Now, this, in, the, this area, in this era of the world, in 1966, a lot was going on in our country and in the world. Crime was rising. Southeast Asia was being threatened by communists. Um, uh, American institutions and seminaries were being infiltrated by people with theology other than Orthodox Christian theology. And so Time Magazine began to ask this question. They're not actually wondering, like, is God dead? Like, what is the health of a higher power and deity? But it was a tongue-in-cheek kind of a way to talk about what's the health of the institution of the church. Now, that's 1966. 51 years later, Time Magazine, in another tongue-in-cheek way, replicated the cover, but with a totally different issue altogether. 51 years later, 2017, they put out this cover here. Is truth dead? Now, again, this is a way where they're just poking at an issue where they were talking about the political and cultural landscape in America and in the West in particular. One of the quotes that they lifted up at the beginning of the article, you may have heard this before. It's a famous quote. Some people think Winston Churchill said it. Some people think Mark Twain said it. Look at this here. It says, a lie gets halfway around the world before truth has a chance to get its pants on. (laughs) And this came about before the invention of social media, everybody. Now a lie gets about three times around the world before truth's alarm goes off, right? Now, the term fake news that we're talking about, that didn't get invented in 2016. That actually got invented in 1890 and other political publications that were going around at the time. But we want to lift it up to you now, and this article points at something now, because the past 20 years in particular, in Western society and in culture, truth has had some major challenges. In fact, in response to this Time Magazine article about is truth dead, Dallas Morning News um, journalist, her name is Jacqueline Floyd, she wrote this. She said, truth isn't dead, everybody. Truth isn't dead. You can't kill gravity. You can't kill science. Objective reality exists whether you choose to believe it or not. The cold universe of facts doesn't care. Check this out. But truth is taking an awful beating. It's staggering and gasping for breath. Its brow is furrowed with dismay that is turned out to be so easily ignored. Wow. Pew Research Forum in 2019, so five years ago, did a research poll of what do people in America think about the truth and challenges with the truth. It found that 64% of Americans, 64% of Americans said that when an elected official opens their mouth, they can't tell if they're telling the truth or lying anymore. (laughs) I heard some people, amen. (laughs) 
Um, just under half of Americans, this research found, can't tell what's true or not on social media anymore. 40% can't tell what's true or not when they watch cable news anymore. Now, check this out. Those facts were from 2019. That was before we went through all of our COVID debates and before all of those controversies burst out about medicine, about science, and about society, and all the things that people have different opinions about now. I have friends who say the only healthy way to eat is to go vegan. And I have friends who say the only healthy way to eat is to have a carnivore diet where you eat only meat. Somebody's got to be wrong in there, right? (laughs) These are major, major challenges to the notion of truth. So we want to say here to everybody, welcome to the fake news era of the world. And welcome to the fake news area of society. Sociologists um, and uh, sociologists call this the post-truth era. Theologians call this the era of truth decay. Other people say there's truth in crisis right now because the very notion of an absolute concrete universal truth, if you throw that out, often people will scoff at it They'll laugh at it. It seems unfathomable or even will be offended by somebody making such a statement. Welcome to the fake news era. And we want to have a conversation about that because what you believe about the truth will inform some of the most important decisions you will ever, ever, ever make. Now, let me back up. What this series is not going to be, this is not going to be a politics sermon series. I hate to disappoint some of you. (laughs) Um, This should inform how you view your politics. It should impact your politics. This is higher than politics, everybody. It's way higher than that. This isn't a culture war sermon series. It's going to impact how you view culture, but this is way higher than whatever culture wars are being waged on social media and in the media right now and in all whatever chats that you might be having. This is higher than all of that. We want to talk about what do you think about when you think about the notion of truth. And this is super, super important. And it's super important. We're talking about being all in on the next generation. Our kids are just suffering so badly because if we're so confused on this issue. We want to lead them the right way. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we want to have an important conversation about truth. The question, is truth dead, is not a new question. In fact, it's a very old question. It's at least as old as the time of Jesus. And so our passage for today that's going to frame out this whole series comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. And a community folk, we stand for the reading of the Bible. So if you're able, would you please stand if you're online? I welcome you to stand wherever you are too if you're at home. And this is John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. It says says this here. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? Oh, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Oh, but we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. And this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus. 
Well, that's a dangerous thing when you summon Jesus. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Well, am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people, chief priests, handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Well, you are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to pray the simple prayer that we were taught at the beginning of this year. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, so this Sunday begins the first Sunday in the season of Lent for Christ followers. Now, Lent is a historical season that followers of Jesus um, uh, celebrate and, and that they, um, they observe what it is. It's the 40 days, not counting Sundays, before Easter. And it's an important time because Pastor Dale has said to us ever since I've been here and he's, he's, as he's been shepherding our community, he's always said you cannot have an Easter celebration until you cannot have a, re- excuse me, he said you cannot have a resurrection until you first have acknowledged that there's a death. And so Lent is the time where we prepare for an Easter celebration by having a season of Lent reflection. It's a time of prayer, a time of fasting, a time of confessing our sins to God and to others, a time of service to prepare your hearts. And the more you prepare your heart in Lent, the greater the celebration is for Easter. Chocolate tastes better if you've done a good Lent. I'm just saying. (laughs) You get the point, though. And so this is a perfect Lent passage because what we just read from John 18 is actually the morning of Jesus' crucifixion and death. It starts in the house of the high priest Caiaphas. You can actually still go there today. This site has um, uh, it's been um, preserved throughout the centuries. In fact, my parents who were in Israel just a little bit ago, they took pictures. And so this is actually inside Caiaphas' house. This pit... Most likely, Jesus was lowered from that pit into this holding cell in Caiaphas' home. Jesus himself, historically, was in this room. Here's another picture from some of the stairways and navigating Caiaphas' house. So you could go here physically. So the story starts at Caiaphas' house, and then it goes to Pilate's mansion. Now, Pilate's mansion has been lost to antiquity. Archaeologists have about two or three good guesses of where they think it may have been, but it's nothing like this. So he was sent to Pilate's house. It's a sham of a trial. These guys are so hypocritical. They, don't want, they want to preserve their ceremonial cleanliness so they don't go into Pilate's house so they can still eat Passover dinner. 
but they are manipulating Roman bureaucracy to kill somebody. Bunch of religious hypocrites, my goodness. And so this, they have false witnesses, it's a sham trial, even Pilate sees through some of this. He interrogates Jesus, which we're going to look at in just a moment. And instead, Pilate still tries to give them an out and go, well, I can release one of your prisoners to you. It's our custom, we do it every year. Who gets a get-out-of-jail-free card? And they choose Barabbas. And Barabbas was pretty much the equivalent of a terrorist. Who are you going to pick? Jesus of Nazareth? the friend of the poor and sinners, healing the sick and preaching good news of the kingdom, or are you going to pick the terrorist? Give us the terrorist. And he gets set free, and Jesus goes to the cross. And in the the interrogation that Pilate has with Jesus, he asks him this famous question, which is framing this whole series, which is, what is truth? This is what we're going to be talking about all across Lent, is Pilate's question, what is truth? But first, let's examine the passage as it's recorded. So if you're looking at the passage, what we want to lift up to you is that this passage and this whole series that we're going to be doing uh, across Lent is first, it's a chance to examine what you believe and think. This is a chance for you to examine what we believe and think. So in the interrogation of Jesus in John 18, starting in verse 33, it says, Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, this is a setup question. Pilate wanted to get rid of this right away, because in the Roman Empire, if you claimed to be king, just claiming to be king was treason, and you'd be executed on the spot. So Pilate's setting him up. But Jesus is shrewd in a godly way, unlike anybody else you've ever met in your life. So Pilate asks him a question, so Jesus answers with a question. Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your idea? He's so smart. Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? See, if you're somebody who's a spiritual seeker today, Maybe you're investigating the claims of Christianity, or maybe you got burnt by church a long time ago and you're giving another shot again. And what you've got to know is that when you go to investigate Jesus, Jesus, in a way, will often lovingly investigate you back. And it's a beautiful thing. In fact, Jesus asks him a really interesting intellectual question. He challenges Pilate and he says, oh, that's, that's an interesting question that you have there. Was that your idea, Pilate? Or did you just pick that up from somewhere else? He's getting at the intellectual honesty of the challenge that Pilate has for him. And this is a chance for us to do that in this series. Let me tell a story. Uh, When uh, probably about nine years ago, we had just moved here to um, Palm Beach County. And for my birthday, which is in late October, uh, my family's from Tampa. You've been coming, you know that. And uh, we drove to Tampa to celebrate my birthday with my mom, my dad, my brother, and his family, my in-laws. And so uh, we got to Tampa. Now, my first child, Cade, was about three years old at the time. And since it was late October, the Target Christmas catalog had just come in. Aren't you so glad companies started sending Christmas catalogs again? It's so fun. And so they sent a paper Christmas Target catalog, and Cade started looking through all the toys in the afternoon before dinner, before the birthday celebrations. And as he was looking at the toys, he turned to a page, and he saw this. (gasps) It's a boat. It's a shark. It's a shark boat. 
And he had to have it. He's like, can I have it? Like, no, your birthday was a month ago. Christmas is coming. No, we're not going to get a shark boat right now, but maybe you can ask Santa for it for Christmas, but you're going to have to wait. And I'm like, but, oh, but oh, I love this shark boat, shark boat, shark boat, shark boat. And the three-year-old Cade got an idea in his head. And he knew why we were home in Tampa. And he went, oh, Daddy, do you want a shark boat for your birthday? <laughs> Daddy, this shark boat would go great in your office for your birthday. You want this. Nah, Grandpa, Daddy wants a shark boat for his birthday. Shark boat, shark boat, shark boat. That three-year-old talked about me wanting a shark boat for three hours that afternoon. Super cute. was no, 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 no. Well, my dad, being the mischievous grandfather that he is, snuck out the house and went to Target. Where are my grandfathers in the room? Where are my grandfathers in the room? We're watching you. We are watching all of you. You're the ones who give our kids chocolate and send them back home to us. Yeah, right? I see you. So he snuck out to Target and came back. It was time for my birthday celebration. I opened a couple boxes, had some shirts and some night stuff. And then there was a big bag that came in. And I pulled out of the bag, lo and behold, nothing else but what? Shark boat. And Dad, Kate was like, Daddy, you got it. It was so cute. <laughs> so cute. So cute. Now, was it my idea to have a shark boat? It was a cute idea. But it wasn't my idea. And that's what Jesus is poking at with Pilate and lovingly challenging with me and you and us and you online is that you might have ideas about things and about the truth that you think are your ideas, but they might have been somebody else's idea that just rubbed off on you through what you see, through what you listen to, through what you watch, through what you observe, through conversations you have where it's just you're swimming around ideas, you're swimming in fake news, that just rubs off on you and that you think is your idea. But it all it takes is one loving poke from Jesus and a house of cards could come falling down. Oftentimes what people believe about morality, about right or wrong, about relationships or marriage or sex or money or societal issues or pick any other issue may have just rubbed off on you instead of it being an authentic belief that you actually hold. And this series is a chance where Jesus is going to lovingly challenge us and say, is that actually what you believe? Or is that just somebody else's idea that you were scrolling through on Instagram and saw? I remember during the COVID period, uh, I was having dinner with a friend, and I just made some random statement about some hot-button cultural issue. And they stopped and said, is that actually what you believe? And I thought about it. I'm like, no. It's not. You ever had anybody challenge you like that? I pray, hope and pray that Jesus does that to us in this series. Do you actually believe that? So this is an opportunity for us to, uh, to ex- um, examine what we believe and think. Okay. This is also a chance to examine the voice of truth. 
This is a chance to examine the voice of truth. So Jesus and Pilate keep, uh, keep going in their conversation. Eventually lands on verse 37. It says this here. You are a king, then Pilate said. Jesus answered again. He's being very shrewd here. You say that I'm a king. I didn't say it. You said it. Um, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. If you're taking notes or in the COH app or in your journal or doing anything, you're going to want to underline and highlight that phrase right there. Hugely impactful. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And this is a huge claim that Jesus is making. I mean, it's almost arrogant for somebody to say, well, anybody on the side of the truth listens to me. Wow. One thing I like about this is that the NIV, which is the translation of the Bible that we read from in our, in our worship services on the weekend, it's the one that our church likes the most. There's lots of wonderful translations. This one is just the one we're privy to. Um, it really does a good job with this. But a more literal translation helps when you understand the actual word for word instead of a phrase for phrase, thought for thought kind of a thing. Here's an older translation of the Bible that I like to use. You can't really find it at a bookstore anymore, but you can find it online. It's called the RSV translation of the Bible. And this is how it translates this. This is way more to the literal of the ancient Greek. Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. It's not just they listen to me. They hear my voice. What Jesus is saying is that when you hear my voice, we just talked about in January about learning how to hear the voice of God. Anybody who hears my voice is hearing the voice of truth. And when anybody hears truth, it's me they're hearing speak. Now, that's powerful. If you're a skeptical person, though, I think you have every right to listen to somebody go, anybody, anybody who agrees with me is agreeing with the truth, that sounds like a power play, doesn't it? Let me tell you another story. Um, this past weekend, um, I'm kid-heavy stuff today. That's just how it landed. Um, I got to take my girls to daddy-daughter dances last weekend. Oh, so cute. So um, here's a picture. I got to take Susanna to her daddy-daughter dancer at elementary school on Friday. And I'm pretty sure she and I agreed to it. We danced to the song that she and I are going to dance to on her wedding day. So... It was pretty wonderful. It was just wonderful. It was a magical night. It was a lot of fun. And um, that morning, I was really struggling because I've never had the opportunity to take my older daughter to a daddy-daughter dance yet. Um, We just haven't had the opportunity to do so. And so I began to search and search and search, and I found that Royal Palm Beach was having its own separate from any school, a daddy-daughter dance the very next night, the perfect opportunity. So I called Tickets were, tickets were sold out. Like, oh no. And so I looked and I looked and I looked and I found and I posted and posted and I was able to get tickets and I was able to take Tessa to her very first daddy-daughter dance with me on Saturday night. I know, so it's such a great time. Here's a picture of me and Tessa having way too much fun. Yeah. It was a great time. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Um, you know what's interesting about the daddy-daughter dance I took Tessa to? You can take my cross-eyed picture off of that. <laughs> Um, the tickets I found online were a scam. And so I paid money for fake tickets. 
Now, don't, don't feel bad. It's okay. It all worked out great. The village of Royal Palm Beach and the people at the Royal Palm Cultural Center, uh, Mr. Richard, did a solid for me. He let us in. He, he made sure that night, that fact didn't ruin Tessa's night at all. Thank you so much. Um, so it was still a fantastic night. Um, but still, somebody vouched and promised me that these were authentic, that they were not fake, that they, it was the truth they were telling me. There was a name, there was an email from Royal Palm Beach, there was a confirmation code, there was all sorts of this stuff, the, the information for the event on the emails that, they, that I paid for them to send to me. It looked totally real, but it was completely fake. Now, why do people spread fake news and why do people lie? Because it usually benefits them. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, broken humanity, and if we're honest, all of us have these things in us. Broken humanity's temptations always comes down to power, money, and sex. Right? This is the PMS of temptation. <laughs> power, money, and sex. <laughs> you just knew I had to say something dumb in the middle of it, and there it is. <laughs> uh, but the person who lied to me about tickets, they got money out of it. I'm telling the truth. It's usually for their own benefit. When people in power mislead us, it's for their own benefit, for their own influence, for their own power, for their own self-interest, whatever it is. And will you guys go back to um, the RSV verse? Would you mind? And this is really important here. And when Jesus is saying, I'm telling the truth, and when you hear me, when I'm saying for you to believe me, that when I speak, it's the voice of truth. The posture of Jesus of Nazareth, just a few hours later after he said this, is him with his arms stretched out on a cross, nailed to wood, bleeding and suffering and dying for you and for me, for the sins of the world. The only thing Jesus wants when he claims to have the truth is you. He has nothing to gain from it than you because he gave it all for us. So when you think about the moral character of anybody else who's claiming massive truth claims like this, compare it to the character of Jesus of Nazareth who's laying down his life for you. Didn't Jesus say no one has any greater love than this that he laid down his life for his friends? It's different when Jesus makes this truth claim. Now, we know that people in the name of Jesus have claimed truth and have done horrible, terrible things and the church has not always gotten it right and that's a huge reason why people back away from Christianity, back away from the church because we've gotten it horribly wrong in the past and that's true. But if you keep going back to the person who's the head of the church, who's the leader of it all, the founder of it all, he has a pure truth claim with no self-interest in it at all. This is a chance for us to examine the voice of truth itself in this series. And lastly, this is a chance for us to examine the voice of fake news. The voice of fake news, not only in scripture, but in culture. So we finally get to Pilate. In verse 38, 
What is truth? Retorted Pilate. This is where the NIV does crush this. In the original Greek, it says, what is truth? Said Pilate. This is clearly a rhetorical question. He did not mean it. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there. In our research for this series, I saw something that I've never seen before with the Thousands of times I've read about the death of Jesus on Good Friday, and it came from Sir Francis Bacon, famous uh, philosopher, and we're going to go ahead and put up this quote here, which, by the way, you can't tell me part of Francis Bacon's success isn't tied to his name. <laughs> I digress. Francis Bacon wrote this, what is truth, said Justin Pilate, and would not even stay for an answer. Do you see that in the passage? Pilate retorted to Jesus, and then walked away. This is a passive-aggressive move. This is a blow-off question. This is a scoff. What is truth? I mean, it's kind of a joke and an immature response. It'd be like if my wife Leah asked me to unload the dishwasher, and I looked at her and go, what is a dishwasher, and walked away. (laughs) It's the same thing. But it has way deeper philosophical implications that undermine good things God wants to do in your life and in the world. There's way deeper implications. Now, the voice of Pilate is alive and well in the world. And the voice of fake news is alive and well in the world. But it's not necessarily asking what is truth. It's just making statements that say the same thing in a different way, like some of this. Well, there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes. And this is some of where we're going in this series. There are no absolutes. Famous Scandinavian ice queen and philosopher Elsa of Arendelle (laughs) famously says... No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Fake news is in our kids' movies. Live your truth. Live your truth, girl. Boo, live your truth. That's my truth. I'm going to live my truth. You do your truth. Live your truth. You do you. Exactly. Fake news has infected social media. Well, don't be so narrow-minded. People say this in public discourse. If anybody claims any kind of authoritative, ultimate truth, people, oh, you're so narrow-minded. That's not enlightened at all. You're kind of dumb if you claim concrete truth that makes exclusive claims on others. You're narrow-minded and prejudiced against others. So in the sphere of public discourse has been infected with fake news. Well, we can't actually know what's true. You can't actually know because there's so much fake news out there. People just give up on trying to find out what's true, so they just drift through life. And even when people talk about this book and how we read this book and what we believe this book says, even in conversations about this has been infected with fake news and people go, well, that's just your interpretation of that. Well, that's not my interpretation. Your interpretation is your interpretation. This is just my interpretation of that. That's just how you read it. Even how people talk about this book, the conversation is infected with fake news. So here's what we're doing in this series. We want to have an honest conversation about what you think about when you think about the truth. And usually we have a theme verse at the beginning of a message 
We're going to give it to you at the end here. This comes from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And this is our goal in our time together. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, fake news, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Amen? Amen. So here's what we're asking of you today. What do you do with what we just heard? What do you do with it? Just be open. Just be open. And allow and invite Jesus to speak to you about truth. And maybe expose places in your life where lies about the truth and fake news have rubbed off on you. Invite him to do that in your life. Because remember, the most important decisions you will ever make in your life right now and that will impact the life to come are all influenced on what you believe about truth. Friends, the stakes couldn't be higher. Let's pray. So even right now where you're at, where you're sitting, here in this room or online, I invite you to take a deep breath right now. And Lord, all of us all together um, invite you to speak to us. And right wherever you're sitting and wherever you're watching or streaming this, just say a quiet prayer. Maybe if you're unsure of this Jesus thing, maybe it's just um, a, a prayer of faith right now where you could pray, Jesus, I'm open. I open myself. I open my mind to you. Jesus said in our passage that he came to testify to the truth. So let's invite Jesus in your own words. Say, Lord, come and testify. Talk to me about the truth. Yes, Lord, we ask that we as a people called Community of Hope, that you would come and speak to us, testify to us, talk to us about the truth. Lead us into the truth, Lord so that we would know you. We thank you that this is who you are and that we can trust you and that it's actually with arms stretched wide on the cross that you tell us that your voice is the voice of truth. We're listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You know, one of the things I think right now uh, in this series is that I am finding in my conversations with people and my connections across the week, a lot of us have questions about things in life. This is, in so many ways, it's a confusing season and a confusing time. And one of the definitions of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us to truth. And I think what we're aiming at in this series is to remind you there actually is a truth and the Holy Spirit can guide you to it. And I love what Pastor Trevor said about, I think if we come into this place and we're open to the Holy Spirit, 
and we bring our questions um, before him, right? About our future, about our past, about our family, about so many things. Uh, God has a way because he's kind to get you to the place where you can find the answer you're looking for. And there's great peace in that. Uh, It doesn't have to be a mystery. So I want to say, what I want to say to you is I want you to, you know, this is important in this series, I think. Be here. Let's see what God will do. How we can maybe untangle some knots in our own lives and guide us toward truth that we need. Anybody need that? I need it. Right? Uh, Lord, I pray over my friends uh, in this season. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this incredibly powerful interchange that we have recorded in Holy Scripture uh, where you're talking about truth, where Pilate questions if there is any truth. And I know that all of us are on this trajectory somewhere in that place. Would you guide us by your Holy Spirit into all truth? Do it just because you're kind and you love us, we pray. And we'll be open. For we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Go in his peace. We have folks here who'd love to pray with you. If you have prayer requests, we'll see you next weekend.